This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Clagan, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? I am awesome. I think I'm getting really excited about turkey. I think you should be. <laughs> have you bought everything? Are you good well, to go? Well, so I'm having a very different Thanksgiving this year. How so? Well, my mother passed away this year, and so I'm going up to New York, which apparently is freezing cold and snowing. I'm not looking forward to that. And we are staying in my father's camper. Really? Yes. Um, and I am going to cook a Thanksgiving dinner in a camper and provide that to my father and my brother and my sister-in-law. So you're going to do some Thanksgiving s'mores? I'm not really sure how this is going to work. Well, and so the, the reason being my husband has celiac disease, so we can't, so oh, we got to keep yeah. everything. There's like a cross-contamination issue. So I have to cook a group, not only a Thanksgiving in a camper, but a gluten-free Thanksgiving in a camper. <laughs> This is like a, a a mission on Top Chef or something. Well, like you that. got it, and I am a very like fancy holiday cooker. So uh-huh. this is like, all right, Nicole, you need to take it down like about a million notches, and you're going to be okay with aluminum foil pie plates, and you're going to be okay with maybe deep frying a turkey that you've never done before. And I don't. This is going to be interesting. Well, if, <laughs> if anyone can pull it off, it's you. So I, I need to take some pictures of that one. I think so. You need to keep track of this. We'll we'll report back next week on how everything went with Nicole's cooking adventure. <laughs> well, Nicole, you've brought in a, a guest this evening, so let's get to that. I sure have. You know, um, the holiday season certainly brings a lot of different thoughts and feelings for folks, and sometimes those feelings aren't always happy, and sometimes those feelings really surround grief. And so I've brought with me today a real expert and a wonderful woman on top of that, Laura Bradbury, and she is a licensed clinical social worker and lead adult grief counselor with Transitions Life Care to talk to us about how do we manage those feelings of grief around the holidays. You know, my mom just passed away um, this past April, and I don't think it's quite hit me yet because I'm kind of just thinking about the fact that I'm just going to be cooking kind of a funny little holiday, which in some ways is probably a good thing Mm -hmm. to not do things exactly the way we did them last year. Yeah, well, actually, I was really struck by by what you by what you mentioned about um, cooking your Thanksgiving meal in a camper, and doing <laughs> things really out of the ordinary, that is actually one of the things that I recommend for people. I have a lot of clients who come in and they say, "Gosh, you know, we have all these holiday traditions, and I just I really want to do things exactly the same as how it as how it's always been, but somebody significant is missing." And sometimes changing up the tradition or changing up the ritual, like. Going going up north and cooking Thanksgiving in a dinner camper? in a camper is a really nice way to to sort of symbolically say, you know what, this is a different sort of year. Yeah. It's emotionally different, so I'm going to make it literally different. It's going to be a lot of laughs. Yeah. I can well imagine. Yeah, yeah. and and I think that that can be a really nice a really nice approach. Change up the tradition and and do things differently. Honor that you are different. So I guess you know one of the questions that I have for you is you know. Should a person, my feeling is, and being that I am a social worker sort of by trade, um, don't have expectations, try not to have expectations of yourself during this time, right? Because right now I'm all gung-ho, but there might be a moment during that time where I'm kind of like, wow, there's a change and I might feel a little differently. I don't know. I don't know. I really have no idea what's going to happen. Right now I'm feeling great, but... 
who knows how next it's going to feel. Next week, things could be a little it could different. Be different. Yeah, and I think that that is that's a really important consideration. Um, I often recommend for people, especially like I have a lot of clients who approach me right, right before the holidays and they say, gosh, I just don't know what to do. Should I do things differently? Should I do things the same? And I often recommend just a combination of good, thorough planning, but also really radical permission to do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may have a great plan for what you might actually do come next next Thursday. Wow, it's next Thursday. I know, wow. (laughs) (laughs) You may have a really thorough plan for that, but then you'll wake up Thursday morning and think, you know what, what I actually need is something totally different. Yeah. And, um, And allowing yourself permission to do to do whatever needs to be done on that day, I think is really important. So talk to us a little bit about, we kind of jumped right in, but in general, sort of grief around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So um, we tend to associate, we tend to associate the holidays with a lot of really sensory experiences, mm-hmm. sense of smell, taste, um, touch, and sight. And our memories are usually linked to those things. And so because the holidays tend to be a time where where we're often reminded of past holidays, of certain traditions, of certain meals that we cooked together, mm-hmm. those types of things we tend to link memories to. Mm-hmm. And because of that linkage, there's um, there's often just a surge of grief. There's a reminder of all of all the people who are absent mm-hmm. from our world during the holiday season. You know, they're absent year round, but sometimes that can just be extra evident during mm-hmm. the holidays. Um, on top of that, grieving people often tend to feel a little bit out of sync with the joy and cheer of the season. There tends to be this expectation that we be extra happy, right. extra friendly, and grieving people just may not be um, be really in the mood. It's sort for of that. juxtaposed to what they're really mm-hmm, feeling, and it mm-hmm. kind of creates a rub. Yeah, exactly. And so th- those are some of the reasons that the holidays can be can be particularly hard for grieving people. And then on top of that, the holidays are naturally stressful for just about anybody, yeah. <laughs> even under the best of circumstances. Yeah. And so when we add that natural stress of the holidays with the I think really intense stress and pain of of navigating the grief process, that just that can create a recipe for some for some just some really really hard pain. And so I advocate for self-care and um, and maybe just going at a little bit of a slower pace during the holiday season, try not to push ourselves too hard. So one of the things that I notice uh, at times is that, um, you know, older adults, they tend to experience, obviously, because they're getting older, a mm-hmm. lot of losses. And as we all age, we're all going to start experiencing mm-hmm. more and more losses mm-hmm. in our family. And it tends to be, sometimes they just seem a little bit more sad. And yeah. so the grief doesn't necessarily have to be just because somebody passed away this past year. I mean, can you fi- do you find sometimes that folks, you know, just sort of remember the way things were maybe 20, 30 yeah. years ago? Yeah, and that nostalgia that, that people may have really grows and grows the longer life we live. Mm-hmm. There's there's more and more memories that we're holding and there's more there's more feelings associated with that. And um and I yeah, I do think that makes the holiday season particularly difficult. They may they may remember not only the last couple years of memories, but generations worth of memories, you know, things they did in, in five decades earlier. And that's that's a lot. So for those listening who are trying to support a person in their life, whether they're an older adult or not, whether, you know, this could be you know somebody trying to support a, a younger person who's experienced a loss, 
how does uh, how does somebody help a person through that process? Because I know, you know, in general, grief brings up and, and death brings up a lot of weirdness in human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know how to respond to people. We don't know how to support people. And a lot of mm-hmm. times people just say nothing. Right. Or they just say, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. Right. Get over it. I mean, there's, a lot, there's the, the, the two yep. camps that generally exist. <laughs> Suck yep. it up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so what, what are some really good ways to help support a person during this time? Oh, that's such a great question. And I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> well, we don't have hours, but we, have, we do have some time. <laughs> Excellent. Well, my, my, first, my first suggestion for anybody looking to support a grieving, a grieving friend or family member is to, to practice your own good self-care and your own good boundaries. Really ask yourself, you know, during this time that may be particularly stressful for me, how much, how much can I actually provide to somebody else? How much support can I actually give to my grieving friend or family member? And be realistic. Because you're grieving yourself, potentially. Exactly. Well, that's exactly. a good point, too. And so be realistic with yourself and with the other person about, about what you might be able to provide in terms of support. And if you determine that you are in a position where you can provide some emotional support, um, the number one recommendation I have for anybody wanting to support a grieving friend is to say the name of the person or people who died. Don't be afraid to do that. Oftentimes using that name just stops happening after a person dies and most grieving people really want to hear that. It's it's almost like we're afraid that if we say the name the of person's going to break down. Yeah, that will that will remind them that their loved one died. And they already know. <laughs> they already know. They're thinking about it every day. Exactly. And they want to know that other people are remembering that person as well. Well, I definitely want to pick up on some more Mm -hmm. of those tips when we get back. We'll do just that. We'll take a quick break and continue our conversation with Laura Bradbury. She's the lead adult grief counselor at Transitions Life Care, and we're talking all about handling grief during the holidays. And stick around. We've got more on this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hey, I want to remind you if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, maybe find some upcoming events that you'd like to check out, you can go to transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Special guest here this evening is Laura Bradbury, and we're talking about uh, ways to handle grief during the holidays, Nicole. And I know there's a couple more points that we wanted to hit on before uh, we move on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I think, you know, generally speaking, people feel awkward around um people who are grieving and so this is you know a holiday coming up and this might be the first holiday for some folks to be around a loved one that's in the grief process going through the grief process so I'm wondering you know give us some more tips about how to support that individual who's going through the process and and really be what they need to be during that time versus what they don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely well we talked about just the importance of of saying the name of the person who Mm -hmm. died and continually acknowledging that don't be afraid to don't be afraid that you might that you might remind them that their loved one has died. They probably already know that. Um, and in addition to that, I, I encourage anybody to follow the grieving person's lead. Mm-hmm. Really, you, you may even ask, you know, what can I do to help you? Or if you see a task that needs to be done, ask them if you can do it. Um, 
let them let them know that you're willing to support them and then follow their lead. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be especially relevant when we're approaching the holiday season and there might be like holiday get-togethers or gatherings, those kind of things. Sometimes a grieving person may may be up to participating mm-hmm. in something like that and sometimes they may just not be. And so, so your role as a supportive friend or as a supportive presence would be to allow them to make the decision about whether or not they can attend this holiday event mm-hmm. and then and then be with them mm-hmm. for as long as they need they need you to be there. You know, I remember um, somebody who passed away and I was at a funeral and, you know, I was just sitting there um, at the wake kind of just contemplating what had happened and mm-hmm. somebody actually had the nerve to walk up to me and say, I'll never forget it and say you should be out up socializing with everybody. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was just sitting there like no that's not really what yeah. I need right now. And so I think one of the things and maybe this isn't one of your tips but I think one thing to do is try not to put how you think you would behave or react to a situation onto somebody else. Yeah, exactly. That actually brings me to my next my next tip. So that's great. <laughs> Social <you>. worker link. <laughs> that's right. You know, we we all have probably experienced some kind of grief or loss at some point uh-huh. in our lives. And we we all have ideas about what helps us yep. to grieve. You may even have specific opinions about right or wrong or healthy or unhealthy uh-huh. ways to grieve. But when you're when you're supporting a friend uh-huh. All of that really, all that really goes goes out the window. Yeah. What you want to do to support a friend is let them grieve in the way that that they need to mm-hmm. grieve. So none of this, um, none of this, you should be doing something <laughs> else. I've I've heard clients who've even talked about like friends that have uh, you know, knocked on their door at seven in the morning and kidnapped them and taken them out for breakfast because they thought that they needed to be cheered up. Um. You know, trust that the grieving person. Yeah. is doing what they need to be doing. Yeah. And even if it's not comfortable for you as yep. an observer, it doesn't mean that you have to interfere and, and fix Interject, whatever is yeah. happening. Interject, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. What else? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if the grieving person asks you specifically for advice on, on coping or things like that, try to just remember that your experience is your own and that their experience is their own. So if you if you want to give some sort of um, some sort of advice or counsel, and if they're specifically asking for it, Frame it in a way that helps them to know that they can take or leave the advice. You know, something along the lines of, well, everyone grieves differently, and what worked for me when I was going through right. something was blank. But you do what you do what feels right to you. Give them permission to grieve in their own way, at their own pace, and in their own style. And I think um, just one more quick thing to recognize is really just that any and all emotions are allowed. You know, mm-hmm. we, we generally understand that people are sad when mm-hmm. they're grieving, but we don't always realize that grief actually affects us physically, mentally, socially, spiritually, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And there's a really wide range of grief reactions and behaviors mm-hmm. that are still along the spectrum of normal. Right. And so, um, so just remember that, that everybody... Everybody grieves differently, and that that we welcome we welcome all emotions and all expressions of emotion. So, um, I guess uh, just seeing this suicide and that sort of thing have been really on in the media's uh, kind of realm lately. And I guess you know if you're a friend or a loved one trying to support a loved one, and you really feel like they're just getting into a very very deep and dark place, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. are some ways you know that you're you can encourage that person to reach out or what can you do as a friend in that in, in that way? Yeah, that's a great question and I think a tough and very relevant question right now. Um, 
don't be afraid to ask them specifically what they might be um, thinking or feeling. You know, we the, we have this idea sometimes that if we ask about suicide, that that like plants the seed to into do it, the yeah. person's mind, and and we we as professionals recognize that that's a myth. Mm -hmm. um, that you're not going to give somebody the clue to to, to do, do it, something like that. So don't be afraid to ask, and and a gentle way to to ask that maybe just something like you know. You know, I hear you talking and it sounds like things are really, really difficult mm -hmm. for you right now. I wonder if you've maybe thought about about hurting yourself or if you mm -hmm. have thought of, thought about suicide mm -hmm. and um, and give them space to give an open, honest answer mm -hmm. and try not to freak out. Yeah, well, that's yeah, the freak out piece. <laughs> what yeah. answer they give. And, and with that, you can be armed with resources. There's... Mm -hmm. um, there's suicide hotline numbers you can call. Most local communities have a have a crisis line. Um, there's a number of different supports that are available, and you can you can share those with your friend if you feel like that is is a concern. And um, framing it also in, in as a as a friend, I'm concerned about you, and as a friend, I, I'm hoping that you might reach out, mm. give them <clears throat> give them the strength and the empowerment to to take that step. So I know you're the lead adult grief counselor, mm -hmm. but can we talk about children for a sure, second? Sure, sure. Okay, so, um, you know, I, I, I do recognize that children probably respond differently than adults mm -hmm. during the holidays mm -hmm. around grief. What are some things we might expect to see from children with a loss of a loved one, and how do we support them? Oh, also a great question. So so with children, a lot of their reactions are going to be in some ways similar to adults they just may not be able to articulate them as well as adults can. So you may see with kids, um, they may be feeling heightened anxiety or heightened um, uh, heightened sadness. And those things around the holiday season may manifest themselves as hyperactivity, mm -hmm. um, focus on focus on on presence and play and things mm -hmm. like that. And it may um, it may even seem more, I guess like more out of control. Yeah. It, so it wasn't it all the candy canes ate off the tree. Yeah. <laughs> more exactly. Than that. So yeah. you may notice some things like that. And with children, um, alongside adults, I really just encourage talking about the loss. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of age appropriate literature about coping with grief and loss that I think can be really valuable. It may be a time to, uh, if you're preparing something for the holidays, maybe include the children in what you're planning. And I think that's particularly true if you're planning to do something really different. Mm -hmm. Sit down with them and say, you know, holidays are different this year since so-and-so died. I wonder if we can find a way to, to change up our traditions. And I wonder if we can find a way to to honor our mother or grandmother during this season. And interestingly, I, my own children, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, and this isn't like a, a, a physical loss as far as a person went away, but it was a loss of a relationship. Right. Several years right. ago, I got a divorce. Mm -hmm. And so holidays are different. Yeah. And so sometimes around the holidays, while they're all excited and they've kind of figured out, well, now I get presents at two houses. So they're, they're kind of <laughs> cool now. But every once in a while, it'll be, do you remember Christmas, what it was like in the old, old house? They yeah. kind of go back. They're like the old, yeah. old house, like two yeah. houses ago. And, you know, when, when you were with daddy and, you know, get, why can't it be like that? And yeah. so, you know, sometimes, you know, even if it's not necessarily the loss of an individual, it might be a person could be grieving the loss of a change. It could be a change mm -hmm. of a physical status mm -hmm. of a person. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they have a dementia diagnosis now or they have ALS or there's mm -hmm. a physical disability. Um, and I, so I think, you know, grief can manifest itself and correct me if I'm wrong 
in in ways that are not necessarily linked to a person just being gone forever. It could be related right. to a change. Right. Losses really come in all shapes and sizes. And in some ways, those types of losses that are more related mm-hmm. to a, a change mm-hmm. and to a death, in some ways, they can be more difficult to cope with because of the... Um, at least with a death, we often eventually are able to grasp the permanence of it. Mm-hmm. But with other types of changes, that can be a little bit harder to wrap our minds around. Um, and so the the counsel I would give is really along the same lines, to, to recognize that things are different, to mm-hmm. keep the keep the airwaves open to talk about the mm-hmm. changes and to and to acknowledge everybody's feelings. So I know that you have a couple things you wanted to talk about. I know you have, you're offering grief counseling services in more than just Raleigh locations. Yeah, that's right. So we've had an office in Raleigh for years now, but we just recently this fall have opened up grief counseling offices in um, Clayton and also Anger. Um, right now, counseling services are being offered there on Tuesdays, and we're hoping that we're going to be able to expand that as we continue to, to grow and folks interested in in maybe getting some grief counseling can call our 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 main number which is 919-719-7199 and that's a number that will get you connected regardless of the office that you want counseling in excellent laura bradbury thank you so much for joining us this evening we really appreciate it she is the lead adult grief counselor at transitions life care and again you can find more information about those other offices at transitions life care Org. A quick break and back, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, this is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to switch gears here and go to a different topic. We are. I'm super excited. We have with us Matt Towler. He's the executive director of Woodland Terrace, which is a Kisco community. And we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that, yes, we are upon the holidays. You heard about my lovely uh, camping Thanksgiving. Um but when you're visiting a loved one who's older, you might notice some things that might make you think, hmm, I wonder if there are, have been some changes and we might need to get some help. So I'm really excited to talk to Matt because he has a vast career working with older adults and has some suggestions for some things that folks should look out for when they're visiting mom or dad for the holidays uh, that might make you think that you know maybe it's time for a change. Well, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. I say uh, your your Thanksgiving uh, plans sound so much more adventurous than mine. <laughs> what are yours? My my well, I'll go for a little bit into Woodland Terrace, make sure our residents get a nice Thanksgiving, but then I'll be at home with the family. And my main duty is to stay out of the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> and, and just be taste tester when called upon. So football. Oh, football! Yeah, obviously, I, yeah, I'm I a, say, mm-hmm. and, and my, I'm a big Bears fan. They're playing this Thanksgiving, oh, so cool. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. But uh, as far as the cooking, my my youngest daughter never lets me forget that, uh, Dad. One time, you burnt spaghetti, so you're not allowed in the kitchen. So, <laughs> well, I've burned toast, <laughs> but I'm good cook though. So it happens to us all. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. So you know, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, we go and we Absolutely. get there and we see maybe what. So, yeah, so this time of year, obviously, a lot of us, as we grow up, we our careers take us away from where we grew up or mm-hmm. where our grandparents live. We only get to see them maybe a couple times a year, mm-hmm. and usually it tends to be around the holidays. Uh, I know I, I only get to see my, my mom and dad only so often around holiday time, and mm-hmm. 
sometimes when you go home, it's, it's, it's pleasant times or, or small changes. Like when I remember after college, I went home, my dad had turned my bedroom into an indoor putting green. Uh-oh. So that's a, that's a different topic that altogether. That left a mark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for some of us, when we go back, we see changes that, that concern us. Mm-hmm. And so um, just some things that we you can look out for uh, when you go back is just real changes that seem out of the ordinary for mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, whoever mm-hmm. you're going to visit. And I would say probably one of the top ones is if you start seeing things that seem like a change in socialization for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're hearing a conversation, you go visit, and you're hearing that they're not getting out, if maybe if they were really active in their, in their religious activities before, mm-hmm. going to church or what have you, and they're not doing that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you ask, hey, have you seen, and you name some of their old friends, and they say, well, no, I haven't really been out much. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're starting to see that isolation yeah. occur. That, that, that's a big concerning area. And a lot of times people, when they hear about that, they think, oh, well, they're just getting older. Of course, they're not, of course they're not going out as much. And that's mm-hmm. that's a myth. It is very much so. Socialization is such a key part of all of our lives. You always hear about how you know, we need a good, uh, a good healthy social network. And I, and I think the, the previous speaker talking about how important that is also with grief is, is, very, is very key. So um, becoming isolated like that just because you're getting older is, is not necessarily uh, – just like you said, is, is more of a myth and not something that can be truly health, healthy for someone. They need to have that socialization part in their lives. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, I think another thing is a lot of times mom and dad or grandma and grandpa lived in this large house mm-hmm. and then it becomes too much for them. So when you go back and visit, you may notice for many years, it seemed like you go back, it always looked immaculate, always yep. looked great. But then you're starting to notice maybe not so as much. You notice that things aren't being kept up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like maybe only certain areas of their house are being lived in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in these types of situations, it's not uncommon to see uh, your loved one kind of isolate themselves to small sections of the house. Like maybe just the kitchen and the living room are getting used and you see visual cues let you know that maybe they're now turning that recliner in the living room into their bed and they're yeah. sleeping there more than going upstairs uh, and sleeping in their bedroom or wherever their bedroom may be. And you see their kind of whole, their um, scope of activity mm-hmm. in the house is really narrowing down to just a small space and area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be a sign of a, a lot of different things. Uh, one, maybe they're not, there's been changes in how their physical abilities are. Sure. And they're not as able to upkeep with those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it, it can be a confidence thing that maybe they're just concerned about overexerting and overdoing, especially if it's an upda- upstairs, downstairs type They're worried about falling. There's just the fear of it, the whole. Absolutely. And stairs, uh, stairs, especially if you're starting to have changes in your uh, mobility and activity, stairs can be a very concerning area for, for seniors. And that kind of leads to uh, another area to look out for. If you hear in discussions that where they say, oh, yeah, well, I took a little fall. Mm-hmm. Or you're ago. seeing some bruising that's unexplained. Absolutely. Or changes in, you know, mom, are you limping? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, what 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 happened? Because those those things uh, can occur and are, are showing kind of a change in their physical activity and their physical mobility that can be concerning as well. I know at um, Transitions Guiding Light, some of the calls that we get from families that tends to kind of really set off the alarm bells is, you know, mom was always just so, her hair, her clothing. And if she's looking a little disheveled when you go visit, not even just the house, but the actual mm-hmm. person. Because sometimes with the house, well, they are getting older. Maybe, yeah. you know, you know, dad can't go around and fix things the way he used to. Let's call on a handyman. You know, that's just the assumption people make. But I think when their physical appearance starts to change, that really starts to set off some alarm bells for people. 
Absolutely. And you brought up a great example. If you have the, to, to use an old saying, if, you know, if grandma or mom was always dressed to the nines and mm-hmm. now they're, they're looking very disheveled, you know, they're, looks like maybe they've been in the same clothes for multiple days. They mm-hmm. used to always have their hair done a certain way. And now it looks very kind of unkept. That's also a sign that there's, there's some struggles and some changes going on that, uh, that they're, may need some more type of assistance in their life. I think a couple other things that I often run into as well are changes in the kitchen. Look mm-hmm. in that refrigerator. If, if, if you're starting to wonder, is something going on, you know, poke around in the refrigerator and see, is the food expired? Is, is there no food? Is there a ton of food that they're just not eating? A lot of frozen meals in the freezer, for example. Absolutely. Checking the, the refrigerator, the freezer, checking the pantry, mm-hmm. all those areas to see, you know, if there are fresh items in there or, you know, or is everything expired or is it dwindling down to where there's nothing in there and you're mm-hmm. concerned about their nutrition? Yeah. I would say also another area is would be sometimes it's done in the kitchen, sometimes in the bathroom, but where they're, you know, checking their medications. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we hear from a lot of families that say they go in and it kind of just looks like medicines have been spilled all over the counter mm-hmm. versus being orally taken. So they don't know if their loved one's getting the medication they should at the times they should on the days they should. Mm-hmm. And that can be also a very concerning part. And the other thing that I would love to touch on, too, is the whole driving piece. Are there are dents and the scratches on the car that weren't there before or on the garage door. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is a car looking like uh, they may have had a few fender benders and not mm-hmm. to let you know about? Or has it looked like the car hasn't been moved in a long time mm-hmm. as well? Yeah, uh, true. You know, those type of things. And that's showing some changes that could be concerning as well when it comes to driving. Um, that's one of the pieces of independence that is always the toughest for for senior to lose is that ability to to drive Mm so a lot of people either try to hang on to it to that very last part or they get worried and concerned about it and they stop driving because they're just concerned i can't i don't see as well at night as i used Mm -hmm. to or i i don't i'm just more fearful of the of you know hurting someone else when i'm out there on the road as well so that that driving part is a big piece definitely so let's just say a family member kind of went and they saw a few th- these things going on the next thing we know that happens as healthcare professionals is all of a sudden the phones start ringing in buildings like yours absolutely um and so talk to us a little bit about what some of the options are out there because i think people automatically make the assumption that there's home and then that there's a nursing home right and that's and there's pretty much no stopping in between mm-hmm. is that true well, I, I think that's kind of, uh, in many cases, public perception, mm-hmm. uh, not really understanding what's kind of the different kind of levels that are out there in senior living. And, and you're right, we do, especially after the holidays, we do get a lot of calls from families and they're they're in a little bit of concern, panic mode. We just saw them over the holidays and wow, we're really concerned. We want to find a, a good setting for her. Um, so we kind of sit down, we kind of talk through them and ask, you know, ask really deep questions like, what was your experience? What did you see? What are your concerns? What's important to mom? Mm-hmm. What, what would you like to get out of the community? So we can make sure we're matching them up to the right community and right level of care that they might need. We've got Matt Towler here in the studio. He's the executive director of Woodland Terrace, a Kisco community. We will continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. 
Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, the future queen of camper cooking. <laughs> and we've got our guest this evening, Matt Taller, the executive director of Woodland Terrace, a Kisco community, and also the master of burnt spaghetti, as we, we learned that in the previous true. segment. So uh, we, we, let's pick right back up where we left off, Nicole. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, so we get to that point where, um, you know, family starts to say, okay, oops, I think there's something going on. And then the phones start ringing. You know, the phones start ringing and all the different levels of care come around holiday time. So you were just talking to us a little bit about, you know, sort of your approach, the phone rings, and then you start educating that family. Yes. So we really sit down with them and we really educate them on the different levels, but also just kind of really have a deep discussion with them on what mom or dad's looking for, what, what they think would be best uh, suit their lifestyle, or what they're looking to achieve for them. And that could be different levels of, of communities. In a lot of communities, you'll see levels such as independent living, mm-hmm. assisted living. And for those that, are, that have a diagnosis of dementia, then we have our memory care sections as well. So um, independent living is kind of just what it sounds like. It's really an, it's, it's independent living. It's, it's apartment-style living or cottage-style living, depending on the type of community. And they have, um, what's nice about it is they have weekly housekeeping. So some of those uh, unkept issues that we were concerned at the house when uh, mom and dad was living by themselves are now being addressed with the housekeeping. Of course, there's maintenance, take care of anything that goes wrong in the apartment. But another key piece that we talked about was that socialization. There's a, there's a wide array of activities happening throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So there are, there's opportunities for them to really get involved in the community and get a lot of that socialization piece. And then just the socialization piece of meeting others and kind of building that social network there at the community uh, is also a big is also a big part of that. Uh, with independent living, also that you have uh, multiple meals available throughout the day, so they, they don't have to worry about cooking uh, or burning spaghetti, as we learned from my example. <laughs> uh, then they also have uh, transportation outings. So if, if driving is an issue, mm-hmm. uh, most communities have transportation that will take you to local local doctors. And then the fun stuff too. Going out and shopping, going mm-hmm. to see performances, going to movies, all that as well is available to them too. Awesome. So I guess the big uh, question is, what about cost? This is the, Medicare doesn't pay for this. Medicare doesn't pay for <laughs> independent living. Oh, so, come on. Yeah, if only, right? <laughs> so uh, it, it, can, it can vary depending on the, the community setting and the mm-hmm. community style. It can range anywhere from in the neighborhood of... 2000, 1000 to 2000 for a studio, up to 6000 or so for a cottage, just depending, depending on what on they're looking are. for yeah. and what, what style of community, where they are, and what they're looking for. Definitely. Um, beyond independent living, assisted living would be kind of the next mm-hmm. section there. And assisted living, again, the name kind of gives away what it is in many ways. It's providing that extra level of assistance that many folks need. It could be... And the example we talked about when we uh, went to a mom or dad's house and the medications being everywhere, it could be providing that medication management to mm-hmm. make sure they're taking their medication uh, in a timely manner and making sure they're taking it as, as physicians have ordered. It could be maybe they need some assistance with with clothing, uh, getting dressed in the morning or getting ready for the bed in the evening. Uh, it could be assistance with showering and other hygiene things. Mm-hmm. It kind of the assist limit is kind of geared to whatever they need. Um, a nurse does an assessment on the individual and then mm-hmm. kind of creates the care plan to match their needs. And it, it's it's constantly reviewed, so it changes with them as their needs change mm-hmm. as well. One of the things that I do really appreciate about a lot of your properties is that you have kind of the multi-levels within the property. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if one of the, if it's a couple and one person is having a lot more physical ailments than the other, they really can still sort of stay in the same roof, so to speak. So it doesn't make it difficult for them to maintain their relationship with each other. Absolutely. I think that's a key as someone's looking for a community. You want to see kind of, 
you know, one, where do they think they are? And then two, you know, what do they see the future as? And picking a community that has all those continuums of care there gives them that opportunity to, to kind of make the, just the one move. And they're on that campus as life changes and they can move from independent living to assisted living and so forth as needed and stay together, which is the other key part. Definitely key. So I guess uh, if we can back up just a minute, I think, you know, one of the big concerns that the children often have uh, is how do I even broach this conversation with mom? I mean, they, they're, you know, they're scared. Okay. I just saw a lot of things that really concerned me. I mean, even with, you know, my own situation, you know, my dad's now living alone. I mean, he's, I wouldn't call him elderly, but he's certainly not young anymore. And he said to me the other day, I don't really feel much like cooking. So I, or I open up cans of soup every day and I'm thinking, Ugh, this is not no. good. So now I'm actually researching, Ugh. you know, meal kit plans that come mm-hmm. pretty much pre-cooked. Cause I know he won't even take the time probably to do this, you know, the, the, the fancy ones we all get marketed to mm-hmm. just to make sure that he's eating a good meal. Cause he's never really cooked and he doesn't really care to cook. And so, um, you know, how do you have those conversations with loved ones about making a change or adding in some supports? Yeah, it's a tough conversation. Uh, I saw, uh, a presentation a while back that said the conversation for an adult child to have with their parent about no, they can no longer be safely in their home is a tougher conversation than a parent having that discussion with the kid about the birds and the bees. <laughs> uh, it's it's just because in, in many yeah. ways you're changing that dynamic. It's a re- from, role reversal. It's a role reversal, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a it's a very um, emotional stage of life for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the best way. It, you know, it's going to vary for individual, but the best way to go about it is just kind of sit down and kind of have that heart to heart with your loved one, share your concerns with them, and and then just uh, kind of have to start having that discussion. Can we go look at some communities? Let's mm-hmm. just go look. Let's go see see and and see what we can find. And there have been many instances over my career that I've seen someone come in where the loved one moving into the community was a little bit resistant. Mm-hmm. But then once they got there, they fl- really flourished because right. that socialization kicked in and everything else, and they really, you know, gravitated to being part of a community again. So it, it can be a difficult one, but it's one that uh, I, you know, encourage everyone to have if they're having those concerns. You know, the the physicians can be a, a big help as well. Reaching out to the family physician yeah. for that loved one mm-hmm. to as a as a part of uh, as a resource and some support for making that decision too. So I think, um, you know, one of the things that makes this decision incredibly difficult, our conversation difficult, is that it also involves finances. Absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times loved ones are pretty closed mouth as far as what they have in the bank and what they, you know, what they've saved and all that. And so, uh, you know, one of the suggestions that I really have is, you know, before you start taking mom or dad around to see places, make sure it's something that they can afford. Because Absolutely. one of the most heartbreaking things that I've encountered with family caregivers is you take your loved one to see the Taj Mahal, but they could really only afford the Shady Shack out back. And so that can be very devastating Mm -hmm. to a family situation. So really having a good understanding of what they can afford and what you as family members may or may not be willing to pitch into to help support that loved one. Absolutely. And also finding out, you know, what resources the loved one may have that you may not be aware about. There may be a long-term care insurance right. policy that you're veterans. about or veterans aid and attendance that's available to them. Uh, so kind of doing your homework before you start looking is also very valuable on the financial side of it, as well as on the medical side. Definitely. So are there any particular things from a medical perspective that folks need to have in place before they move into either an independent living or an assisted living? So for on a, from the a paperwork medical, side, yeah, on the paperwork side of things. So for the independent living, uh, there's not a whole lot. There's usually just kind of a uh, 
almost like a, just a physician physical type piece of paperwork. Saying that they are out. independent. Yeah, yeah, that they're independent and so forth. On the assisted living side, there is uh, specific paperwork that is required by by state to, uh, it's called an FL2 form, mm-hmm. to make sure you have filled out that kind of details all medications, all medical histories, and those type of things that allows the community to then set up a proper uh, plan of care for that individual. So this isn't a situation where we drove over the river and through the woods with grandma and dropped her off at Woodland Terrace that same day. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> Matt Towler, Executive Director of Woodland Terrace at Kisco Community. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. couple bits of housekeeping before we head out this evening. Uh, Transitions Life Care is holding a, a night of remembrance. That's on December 11th. There will be a luminary lighting, Nicole, and this will be in remembrance and celebration of loved ones. A wonderful event again, December 11th uh, from 6 to 8 at Ravenscroft. Did I get that right? I think you did, and I think that's actually great given the topic that we had about grief. It's kind of a good way to honor a person um, that you've lost around the holiday season. So, So you can actually speak that name and remember that they were here and part of your life. Absolutely. You can find more information online at transitionslifecare.org. Just click on the calendar of events. And I also want to remind everyone, there's one more Caregiver Summit happening. You can go to caregiversummit.org to find information on how to register. Again, it's a a very simple process. Yes, it is. Uh, December 12th coming up at the Campbell University in uh, Bowie's Creek. Special uh, thank you again to our guests this evening, Matt Towler, Executive Director of Woodland Terrace, a Kisco community, as well as Laura Bradbury. She's the lead adult grief counselor at Transitions Life Care. If you missed any part of this program and you want to go back and hear it, you can go to WPTF.com, head over to the Aging Matters section, and you can find uh, this episode as well as all other past episodes uh, there for you on demand as well. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you'll join us again next Saturday at 7 for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.